Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group. The topic today is phishing. I'm talking with David Jevons, Chairman of the Anti-Phishing Working Group. David, thanks so much for joining me today. Tom, it's a pleasure to be with you. Dave, just to sort of set some context for people, could you explain a little bit about the Anti-Phishing Working Group and what it is that you do? Sure. The Anti-Phishing Working Group, or as we often call it, the APWG, is a nonprofit organization dedicated to eliminating identity theft and spoofing on the Internet. We were started in um, the fall of 2003, just as the phishing uh, problems began to emerge, we primarily saw it in uh, Australia and then the UK, and then we started seeing it in the US just at the end of 2003. And uh, we now have 2,000 member companies and government organizations from all across the world representing financial service institutions, uh, payments processors, uh, major e-commerce websites, ISPs, security companies, and uh, law enforcement agencies. This is a couple of times a year where we have technical tracks around phishing and anti-phishing measures. We have law enforcement tracks where we talk about uh, where are the bad guys, what are the new techniques, how do we go and find them. Um, and we have public policy tracks often where we'll have um, the FDIC or FFIEC in or uh, various folks from Treasury to come and talk about uh, regulation and, uh, and that kind of thing. And we run a number of different uh, technical services as well for the security companies that are out there combating the phishing problem. So, Dave, you're coming up on the fifth anniversary of the group. What are some of the major phishing trends that you're seeing so far this year? Well, 2008 is uh, turning out to be uh, kind of an interesting year. What we've seen is that mass market phishing, where you know they send out to a billion people, um, it, it tends to be holding steady. Uh, the targets are changing a little bit. Um, we're definitely seeing more attacks against smaller financial institutions like credit unions. Um, we are seeing uh, larger institutions being attacked, um, both here and in uh, Europe, uh, primarily a little bit in Australia. Um, we're seeing non-traditional targets being the focus of phishing attacks as well, and those are primarily social networking sites where the goal may be to get passwords that could be reused on other sites or to drive advertising traffic by hijacking people's accounts. We've seen some interesting phishing attacks against uh, advertising services, online ad services, and the point there is the fishers take over those accounts and then they change the advertisements that might run on 10,000 legitimate sites. They'll change them to point to sites that distribute malware and crimeware, which then indirectly will go out and collect passwords and authentication data to uh, to offer. We've also seen an increase in what we call spear phishing. And this is a very insidious type of fraud that is very difficult to come up with any kind of statistics because it's so targeted. So the fishers will decide, for example, that they would like access into uh, the accounts of very wealthy individuals or perhaps into business banking accounts that might have the ability to do uh, transfer online of larger amounts. 
And so they'll actually learn something about the companies that they're targeting want to get into. They might find out the name of the CEO or of the CFO or um, some of the security guys, and they will actually send targeted emails into those target companies with the person's name, potentially with other personally identifiable information in attempt to get that person to give up their password or to install malware, which will allow them later access into their uh, banking or other kinds of accounts. Scary stuff. Yeah, and it's it's a difficult one because it's it's hard to educate and uh, and it's very hard to detect. Now, Dave, at the recent RSA conference, I went to a, a phishing session that was run by the security head at PayPal, and he said when he initially went to PayPal, he went in to talk with his bosses and and said, "What about the phishing problem?" The response he got was. Technically, we don't have a phishing problem because at PayPal, it sort of fell below the threshold of what they felt as pain. And it makes me wonder, do the financial institutions realize that they have a phishing problem? Or like with, with PayPal, at least the way the attitude was, does it fall below the threshold of what they consider pain? Well, Tom, I think there's a couple of ways to look at the threshold. One is financial losses and in a very big picture, I think that, you know, financial institutions have their hands uh, full of uh, potentially other larger areas of concern, such as um, uh, mortgage defaults and things of that nature. So if you look at pure financial losses, uh, it's certainly not in the top one, two, or three at a major financial institution. I mean, we're seeing institutions writing down billions these days, so you know, 10, 20, 50 million dollars in fishing at that institution obviously is, is below the radar. But if you take a look at brand reputation, if you take a look at consumer trust in the financial institution and in banking online, that is where it's very difficult to compute what the losses are. And so we find a lot of financial institutions are very much concerned about the problem uh, as much from a confidence perspective and brand protection and reputation as they are from a financial losses perspective. And these institutions are definitely aware of the phishing problem. I will say a few years ago, maybe 2004, even 2005, sometimes they would deny that there was any problem. But in the 2006-2007 timeframe, as some solutions, technology, and process started to become available, we did see banks uh, start implementing those solutions and then being able to educate their customers about the problem. That makes sense. Now, we hear an awful lot these days about vishing. Can you describe that and give us a sense of how effective that's becoming with financial institutions and their customers? Sure. So, vishing is, uh, is, is voice phishing. It's basically... Uh, a multi-channel attack which may may use email to lure somebody to give up a phone number, for example, at a customer service site, or it may be a direct outbound call to a customer. And it's basically a a, a computer system typically uh, pretending to be the financial institution um, with their voice tree. So it, it's not an email thing purely. It's actually simulating the, the um, IVR of a financial institution so let me give you an example. Um, we send you an email saying, um, please uh, call this phone number. It's, it's customer support. We have a co- problem with your credit card. 
And if I put a phone number in there and I don't put a URL to a phishing site, the chances of that email being delivered through the spam filters are much higher. It doesn't look like spam. It doesn't look like phishing. So that's one reason they're bad. So you'll call this number, and instead of actually calling the bank, you typically tend to be calling a um, a voice over IP line, which is hosted on some Internet site, where they may have cloned the bank's uh, phone tree, or they've recorded their own that sounds like the bank. And they'll ask you, for example, to type in your credit card number and your expiration date. And to confirm it's you, please enter your social security number or the last four digits of your social security number um, or enter your CVV number. And from this, they've basically gotten your personal information that they can use directly to use that card online or that they could use to log into the banking system on your behalf. So they're very effective attacks. Um, I'd say the good news is that they're not high in number. We don't see a large number of phishing attacks, but the ones that we do see tend to be effective. Now, with phishing and phishing, what kind of solutions are you seeing that are proving to be effective from the financial institutions? Well, I hate to say it, but there is no silver bullet solution to the problem. And after looking at this space for five years with some of the smartest people on the planet, I can say that I don't believe there is a 100% solution on the horizon. Um, what there are, though, is a, is a collection of techniques that, when you combine them, can make a dramatic impact uh, on the phishing problem. And a couple of them revolve around authentication. So the first one is email authentication. And there are a couple of different ways to do this. There's uh, something called sender ID, uh, which Microsoft is a big proponent of. And there's something called DKIM, which involves digitally signing email. And that's something that Cisco and Yahoo uh, are very big proponents of. And we recommend that companies actually implement both of those. And what this allows them, you to do then is um, to state a policy that all your email that you send comes from a specific set of servers. And so major ISPs that are participating can actually not only take your email and know it's good, but they can reject email that appears to come from fishers and they know that is bad. Um, this can really reduce the delivery of phishing emails out to your customer base. The next technology that we see that financial institutions have implemented uh, with great effect is user authentication. Uh, so this is, for example, the use of um, cookies, of image-based passwords in addition to user passwords, or in some cases the issuance of hard tokens, two-factor authentication tokens to business customers so that you have a much higher confidence that the user that's logging into that account really is uh, the user and is not a fisher trying to monetize the credentials. Um, another area that's not quite so obvious but that we find very effective is uh, user education, being able to educate users that, for example, you will never send them an email with a clickable link or asking for their password. Um, believe it or not, educating your own marketing department not to send emails that look like phishing is also good because if you send emails that look like phishing emails and a phisher gets one of those, he's going to use that exact same email as a template for his next phishing attack 
and your users are busy clicking on those emails, and they'll click on that email and fall for the attack. So internal education also seems to work quite well. And I'll leave you with a final one that has proven to be very helpful against phishing at places like PayPal, and that is working with law enforcement to actually try to put these people in jail. We find most companies out there actually are just happy if the phishing site goes away and they don't have a lot of resource to actually do investigations and go after the bad guys. But the companies that come under a lot of attacks and actually put the effort out to go and find the bad guys and get them in jail, they actually see their phishing attacks drop dramatically over a period of time because the bad guys realize that, hey, this is a very hard target and there's ramifications for attacking them. Let's go somewhere else. Dave, I want to bring you back to a topic you mentioned just a couple minutes ago, which was education. When it comes to phishing, so much seems to be the customer's burden because it's happening outside the institution where they're being called or emailed at home. How do institutions reach these prospective victims and effectively educate them about the risks? Well, that's a very difficult one, Tom. The first reaction people have is, oh, we'll send an email to all of our customers to educate them about phishing. And as you can imagine, you'd have to be very, very careful about that because that's the exact type of thing that the fishers do to try to trick your customers to coming to their website. So we have found multi-channel education to be fairly effective, which is um, printing things on the monthly statements, having warnings on your website or educational seminars on your website at the login screen um, where you can basically educate users about advanced authentication, about what kinds of emails you'll send or not send. That type of thing works very well. We've seen a few people do some education in the branch as well where they'll have a little brochure that's available that talks about phishing. We find that if you pretend the problem doesn't exist, your users are going to get the mail anyway, and it's going to cause a, a crisis of confidence. If you admit the problem exists, because you know pretty much by now most users are aware of it, they really like to know what the bank is doing uh, and that it's taking steps. I'll give you another example. Um, Wachovia, at, at, through position of World Savings, has been doing billboard advertisements about fraud prevention and fraud protection and advertising where you can go to their website and learn more about how you can protect your identity. I'm going to ask you to, to sort of look into the crystal ball a bit, David. Given what you've seen so far this year, what do you think we'll be discussing early in 2009 relative to fishing? Um, well, it's a tough one. The the bad guys are always innovating. I think that in 2009 we'll be talking about, um, gee, why do we still have all of this fishing and we thought it was going to go away because I, I think it's going to be at similar levels, if not worse. But I think that probably the, uh, the thing that will start occupying more and more conversation is the topic of malware and crimeware, which is malicious code that is distributed oftentimes through emails that basically are phishing-type emails but they're trying to get you to install uh, software or to visit a website that has an exploit that installs software on your computer to sniff your passwords or uh, to run other kinds of malicious code. And 
today, I think people are aware of it. I don't think people are aware as much that potentially antivirus technology does not protect you as well as you might think. And I think the financial services uh, industry is going to be talking about now what do we do if our customer is infected? Whose responsibility is it? Do we cut them off the Internet and say you can't come to our banking site unless you clean this malware off your computer? You know, how do we educate them then? How does this person even know what malware or crimeware is? And I think it's going to be an industry debate over the coming years. So it's safe to say that the APWG is not going to become obsolete anytime soon. Well, I wish it would, but unfortunately, I don't believe so. When we started the organization in 2003, I honestly believed that by 2004, the problem would be solved. I thought that the email industry would come together, put authentication in email, and we would be done. And what I realized is I didn't understand, one, how much money was available um, for the bad guys, which motivates them. I didn't understand how innovative it would get once hundreds or thousands of bad guys get involved, and they're all very smart. And I think also you have to start realizing how big the Internet actually is. And there are millions of email servers and tens of millions of web servers and billions of computers, and they are all points for vulnerability. And we don't control our customers' desktops. So, um, yeah, I think we're going to be living with the social engineering problems and the malware problems in this space for a long time. Well, Dave, I appreciate your time and your insights today. Thanks so much for joining me. You're most welcome, Tom. We've been talking with David Jevons, Chairman of the Anti-Phishing Working Group. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.